as we finished our series on adoption and we've thought of this lovely image of being brought into God's family and how it's found from one end of scripture to the other, um, we want just to take this evening another image that's found from one end of scripture to the other, uh, that of sheep and shepherd and how God paints us this picture in his word of how we are sheep in God's flock. It's something that I find myself thinking on a bit recently, talking uh, with Robert and Colin and uh, hearing again about the the lambing season and more about sheep. Um, And uh, I've been reading and thinking over Isaiah 53 uh, myself. And with those lines in it, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way and the Lord has laid in him the iniquity of us all. And as a sheep before shears is silent, uh, so he uh, did not open his mouth. Um, I've just been drawn to, uh, to this imagery. And I want us to take it and to, to turn it around and think of it uh, this evening. As I said earlier, I'm aware, um, well out of my depth, um, even though I've talked to uh, Colin and Robert and uh, William and Christine and Caroline and uh, others, for 15 seasons now, I still haven't a clue. Um, and I don't know how that's ever going to be remedied. Um, but uh, maybe we should hold on. There's suggestions coming here. We'll not pay any attention to the suggestions. Um, even though I have three children of my own, I'm maybe slightly more clued in to uh, what a shepherd uh, has to do. Um, I remember the day that we moved to Donegal. Uh, maybe it'll be Johnny and Ruth's experience as they move up. But on the day that we moved here, um, we're travelling along a, a road. There uh, <laughs> were sheep all over the road. And they were all over the place. They were up ditches, down ditches, trying to scramble up embankments and through fences. And uh, the other day we were uh, driving out around uh, the back of Glenvay somewhere. And uh, same story again. Uh, all over the place, and uh, a boy in a quad doing nothing, and his sister running around like a mad idiot, um, doing all the work, and the dad standing down the road looking out over the moor, doing nothing, it seemed. There were no sheep in sight. Um, so I don't know who was the shepherd in that case. Uh, but, uh, you know, we look at the, the, these scenarios, and we see these sheep, and, and, that, and we, we, we've commented often on what, Rare creatures they are. Only city people can sing Psalm 23 and think that it's cute and lovely. You know, the Lord is my shepherd. Uh, Any country person knows uh, that it's not the greatest compliment in the world uh, to say that we're like sheep. And God calls us sheep because we're wayward, we wander, we get ourselves into bother, uh, we, we get lost. We are lost to start with. Um, we're vulnerable, we're weak. Um, if there's anything that could go wrong, it'll go wrong for us. And we're not very intelligent. Uh, and when it says we're like sheep, that's what it's saying. And we need a shepherd. Uh, you know, no commands in Scripture, um, in John 10, or Psalm 23, or Ezekiel 34, no commands are given to sheep. We're told how wayward and wandering the sheep are, and then we're told how wonderful the shepherd is. 
And so we want to look at the shepherd this evening through the eyes of the sheep. And we want to see uh, five things. First of all, we're uh, purchased by God. Purchased by God. In Matthew nine thirty six, we read that when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. There's this vast crowd of people and they're milling around. They don't know what way to go. They're confused. Not just geographically, you know, out and about and they're not sure what to do, but that's not how Jesus sees it. He sees them spiritually. The religious leaders are saying one thing. And they're, they're, the religious leaders, it's all fine for them, but here are the people and they're not sure what way to go. And they're not sure what they should be doing and how they should be living. And the leaders then do this and do this and do this. And they're telling them all these things. And they know they can't do it. All these laws and you, you, you can't carry a burden this far on the Sabbath day. And you can't do that and you can't do the other. And they're harassed. They're not able, not able to do anything to help themselves. And they have no guidance in this life. They don't know where they're going. And they have no shepherd. And Jesus is just filled with compassion for them. In the Middle East where uh, pasture is scattered and scarce uh, and sheep have no instinct uh, as where to find grass or water, it's the shepherd who knows where to find grass or water. And without the shepherd, they're just going to be lost. They're, in fact, they're worse than lost. They're dead. No shepherd, no grass, no grass, no food, no food, no life. The shepherd means life. And when Jesus describes the people as sheep without a shepherd, he's saying that they're more than they just look lost. He's saying they're dead. They're doomed. That without the shepherd, they've no chance. And just as I was uh, preparing this and thinking over it, I was thinking of Colin going to the mart um, and seeing sheep that are, that are doomed, they're, they're going for slaughter. And he knows that these yews have, have lambs and he, his heart goes out to them. What does he do? He purchases them. Well, that's what our Savior does. He sees us uh, not just like lost sheep, but as sheep that are, that are going to a slaughter. And he purchases us. He lays down his life for us. Imagine, as it were, that you're a sheep destined for the dining table. A sheep destined for the slaughterhouse. Imagine we could interview those sheep that, that Colin and William have gone and purchased uh, at the mart. Um, and instead of going to the slaughterhouse or to the butcher, uh, there they are in a nice bed of straw. And they're, they're being fed and cared for and their young are being born and their, their little lambs are feeding. Imagine that we could interview those sheep and they could tell us of their relief and they could tell us of how wonderful this new home is and this new life. Well, that's what we've got. We have found ourselves with a shepherd who knows how to care for us, who's purchased us. And, and that's why we read from Isaiah 53, you know, Scripture has these double images. It, it portrays us as sheep and it portrays God as the good shepherd. But then there's this incredible crossover point where the good shepherd 
we're told lays down his life for the sheep, but to, to mix the metaphor and to change the imagery, the, the good shepherd, we're told, as it were, becomes a sheep. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. But he's the one who's led like a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before his shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. And who is it that we see when we come to the end of the Bible? Who is it that John cried out at, uh, at the Jordan? He said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And we come to the end of the Bible, in Revelation 4, and who's seated on the throne? There is one looking like a lamb that was slain. And the, the shepherd becomes like a sheep so that we could be rescued. And he, he doesn't become sinful. But let's think, he, he does become like a sheep. The Lord Jesus is born tiny and fragile. I held my little niece in my arms on Friday. This tiny little squidge of humanity. You know, a few days old. Um, how fragile. You think of, you see those little lambs out uh, bouncing around the field and there's nothing to them and they're fragile. And Sheep have no horns and no claws and no uh, armor and no uh, roar. Um, they're vulnerable. And the Lord Jesus Christ comes and he's vulnerable. He's born as a little infant, little baby. And then he grows up and he needs to be led. He needs to be guided. He needs to be instructed. He needs to be fed. He's taught God's word. He's instructed in it. You know, we read of the Holy Spirit leading him out into the wilderness. There is a sense that the good shepherd is also the sheep. And he's the, the lamb of God who comes to lay down his life. Um, so he's the lamb of God who, who takes on the sin of his people. He's the good shepherd who lays down his life. And we think this is all tied up in this imagery. You know, it's amazing enough that a, a shepherd would risk his life for sheep. I'm afraid I wouldn't. I would just say, cheerio, um, you'll be okay. You know, at least I'll be okay. You'll maybe not be okay. But here's a, a shepherd that would lay down his life for sheep. But here, it's even better than that. It's, it's God himself would take on life so that he could lay down life for foolish sheep like us. But even more amazing, this great God would become, as it were, a sheep, become fragile, and he would become someone that would need to be led, someone that would need to be instructed, someone that need to be taught, so that he could be the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, so that he could purchase us and ponder, ponder just those images and those phrases that he's the Lamb of God. He's the Good Shepherd. Ponder Isaiah 53. We all like sheep have gone astray. But he was led like a lamb to the slaughter. 
so that you could be purchased, so that you could have life, so that you could have a second chance, a second chance, those yo's that uh, Colin, William have uh, been, been buying at the mart, second chance that they have, you have in a much bigger way. Purchased by God. Uh, secondly, fed by God. Jesus in John 10 promises that his sheep will go in and come out and find pasture. Here's a promise of food. And how is it that God feeds us? He feeds us through his word. It's described so often as food, as honey. Sweeter than honey. It's described as bread. It's described as living water. It's described as meat. It's described as milk. All the, since the staple uh, foods that, that, are, that people eat. It's described uh, here as pasture. Because uh, that's what sheep need. And we need food. And the Lord Jesus Christ has given us his word to feed us. And he's given us a whole rich variety of food. I don't know if there's different types of grass that do different things for sheep. Um, but there's different types of scripture that, that do different things for us, that feed us a rich, rich diet. And we can take it in in many different ways. We, we read it, we hear it proclaimed, we sing it. We can take it in in different ways. And we should keep taking it in. Now there's a limit to how much you can read in a day whenever you've got a job to do and you've got life to live. Um, but sheep are ruminants. They're animals that uh, ruminate. Uh, they've got it's four stomachs. All right? Four stomachs. Uh, so the, the one thing that goes in, the one mouthful of grass, and it gets chewed over and goes down into stomach one, and then comes up again and is chewed over again and goes down again and comes up and up and down like a yo-yo, and it's chewed over until uh, the goodness is extracted out of it. Um, it's not necessarily the quantity of Scripture that we take in. It's the chewing over it. <laughs> Last night, um, that great theological film was on television, Ratatouille. And the little uh, mouse figure that uh, wants to be a chef is trying to convince his cousin uh, that you shouldn't just eat stuff out of the garbage pail, that you should enjoy flavours. And he, he waxes lyrical about the great flavours that are to be enjoyed in this uh, mushroom. And then he gets uh, enthusiastic about the flavours that are to be enjoyed in this piece of cheese. And then he says, and then put them together and there's much more to be enjoyed. Well, as we take things that we've been hearing and things that we're familiar with and as we put them together and meditate on them, we'll find that the flavors are richer as we think, like what we've been doing, on the doctrine of adoption. And as you read through Scripture and as you take a passage that perhaps you've seen before, like the one we looked at this morning, where Jesus says, my mother and my brothers are those who listen uh, to my word and do what it says. Think, Hold on a minute. 
What's he saying there? And tie that in with the, the, the wonderful teaching and adoption and realize the, the privilege of what Jesus is saying. And we can get far more meat out of it um, to take, uh, take something like this and take what we know from God's word about us being sheep. You're looking out in the field someday or you're watching them go down the road and go through a hole in the hedge and go here and there and somebody out chasing around after them looking like an idiot and you chew it over. Chew it over. Regurgitate the passage of Scripture and take what you're seeing and chew them over together and meditate on it. I suppose sometimes we can feel that we don't read our Bibles enough. And sometimes we don't read our Bibles enough. But it's, you know, thinking of all sorts of scenarios, lambing time, and you don't have time to, uh, you don't have time to do anything except run around looking after sheep and get up in the middle of the night and look after sheep and go and look for more sheep, you know, but, or being a mum, it's pretty much the same thing, um, looking after children, and you, know, you could feel guilty that I don't have the time to be reading the Bible as much as I should. But we've got opportunity to ruminate, to take something that's been said, maybe something in a sermon or something that you did get two minutes to read or five minutes to read, or something from the Bible study, or something from a psalm that you've been turning over in your head and it's stuck in your mind. And we can chew on it. And we're fed by our God. You know, I just wonder. Uh, you know, the psalmist often talks about meditating on God's word. Psalm 1 is, is where it kicks off. The man of God, the woman of God, meditates on God's word day and night. And then this imagery of sheep that... Uh, that Chew the cud. We're to be constantly uh, taking in God's word. But that's how, rather than thinking we should constantly be reading, we can be turning it over and turning it over. And one of the wonderful ways to that is to um, memorize bits of God's word. And then you do start to to see things. Take a a verse. Take um, a passage. Maybe even take Isaiah 53. Uh, or uh, we quoted First Peter 1 this morning. Wow, there's, there's lovely truth in there. And a verse a day, memorizing it, you start to take it in, you start to see things that you didn't otherwise see, and you're fed by God. Led by God. Um, led by God. Uh, closely linked to feeding is guiding. The shepherd guides his uh, sheep from one grassy area to another, from one watering hole to another. In Palestine in the summer months, they take their, the, the sheep up. They sort of follow the receding snow line, apparently. And uh, they take them up into the hills as the snow covering uh, disappears. And uh, they come in the summer to lush, fertile grass on the hilltops. And God, our shepherd, guides us. But we know from Psalm 23 that he guides us in paths of righteousness. That's his priority. Um, The shepherd doesn't guide the sheep according to how nice the view is. 
Uh, he doesn't guide uh, the sheep necessarily uh, as to how easy the path is. He guides them to grass that will feed them and to water that will refresh them. And our shepherd guides us in paths of righteousness. He doesn't always take us where the view's nicest. He doesn't always take us where the path is easiest. But he's always doing it for righteousness' sake. To help us to grow in our godliness. The shepherd takes the sheep where they'll grow. Our shepherd takes us where we'll grow. And we've got to look at our, our God through the, the lens of us being sheep and him being a shepherd. The same way we can look at him as us being children and him being a father. He knows best. He knows the way he's taking us. And he's good. He's the good shepherd. And he doesn't take us down a path or up a hill or into a dark place except he knows that it'll be good for us. He guides us. He takes us in those areas where we'll grow. Now, of course, I suppose a sheep could decide, I'm not going to eat. I'm not going to go this way. I'm going to to wonder uh, why he's taken me here and I'm going to sort of go off on my own way. But we've got to let God guide us. We've got to trust him as he takes us into those areas. You know, Contrast that with our idea of guidance. We often think of guidance as God show me what job to get, what house to buy, what uh, person to marry. Um, God is more concerned about how we will live in the house that we buy and how we will serve in the job that we have and the sort of person that we're marrying and the sort of husband and wife we will be. He'll guide us in paths of righteousness. Sometimes, um, instead of asking ourselves, uh, is this the right thing or the wrong thing? The question might be, is this going to help me walk in paths of righteousness? Because that's what the shepherd is wanting us to do. And in a world where there's many voices saying, go this way, go that way. Whether it's pressure from uh, friends or the, the media or society, our shepherd says, hear my voice. My sheep know me. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Fed by God, led by God, purchased by God, reassured by God. I'm told that sheep are anxious animals, um, that they're easily worried. In fact, uh, the term to worry is applied to the hassling of sheep. And I'm told that one of the most difficult things uh, for a shepherd uh, to do is to get the flock to lie down and uh, to, to be at ease. And lots of things will keep the flock ill at ease, fear antagonism within the flock if they're annoyed by flies or if they're hungry. The task of a shepherd is to ensure that the sheep can lie down and rest to make sure there's nothing to frighten them. And I'm told that often his presence is enough. They know him. They know his care. His presence is enough. 
He can rebuke the, the sheep that's bullying the others. He, uh, I don't know if they still do it, but in the old days they'd have poured oil on the, the heads of the sheep to, to, uh, to, to keep away the flies that were bothering them. He would take them to green pastures where they could be well fed. It's his presence often put them at ease. And God as our shepherd reassures us. And again, if we could remember that we're sheep and he's the shepherd. Too often we fancy ourselves as, ourselves as shepherds. And uh, we think, well, you know, God must know what he's doing. I don't like what he's doing here. But no, we're sheep. And he's the shepherd. And he knows. And we need to remember not only that he knows, but he's here. You know, commented last Sabbath evening on those two verses. Uh, one in Philippians 4 and one in Matthew 6. Um, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Philippians 4. Do not be anxious about anything. And they seem awfully demanding. Except, remember that in Philippians 4, it says, The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. Ah, right. I see. The shepherd's here. Don't be anxious. The one in uh, Matthew 6. Uh, Therefore, your, your Father in heaven um, will provide for you. He cares for the, the, the birds of the air. How much more will he provide for you? Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Let tomorrow worry about itself. Your Father's near. The shepherd is near. We need to remember that so that we are reassured. Um, that's why Jesus says, Come to me and I will give you rest. Let him worry about it. It's the shepherd's job. Imagine the sheep having a conference um, together about how they're going to find grass. And uh, does anyone have Google Maps uh, with a satellite view? And can we get 3G coverage out here so we can uh, see if there's grass uh, two miles down the road. What? Sheep aren't at that. They just trust the shepherd. The shepherd takes them to grass. Um, and that's what we need to do. Is leave it in the shepherd's hands. Reassured uh, by the shepherd. And then finally, uh, guarded uh, by God. Guarded by God, reassured by God, fed by God, led by God, purchased by God, guarded by God. Sheep are vulnerable. I've thought about that already. Um, if uh, a sheep, uh, they're just so susceptible to illness and disease, and uh, so hard to treat whenever they they get something. And the job of the shepherd is to. Try and keep them from catching disease or eating the wrong stuff because they'll eat the wrong stuff. And oh boy, today do sheep ever eat the wrong stuff? You know, there's stuff on Facebook and there's utter nonsense that people, oh, this is amazing, this wonderful teaching. Um, a lot of rubbish at times. And we need to be careful. Um, and as ministers and elders, we need to be saying, no, no, that's harmful. Don't, don't be taking that in. But we have a God who guards us. Sheep are prone to getting lost. They're exposed uh, to predators. They're easy pickings. 
because they have no natural defenses. Um, but our shepherd guards us. He guards us. Well, sheep need guarded from enemies. They also need guarded from themselves. Um, they'll, 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 they're enough trouble to themselves, really, um, from what I can see. And they'll, they'll eat the place bare and then have nothing left to eat. Uh, they'll foul up the water. They'll trample mud into the water. Uh, they'll be their own worst enemy. Uh, and the good shepherd knows how foolish the sheep are and prevents that uh, from happening. And one of the worst things a sheep can do is stray and cut itself off from the flock, and we do that too. And we have a shepherd who'll come after us and guard us and bring us uh, home. And we need guarded from our enemies. Uh, We're not just ourselves, but also from our enemies. In John 10, Jesus speaks of the thief. He speaks of uh, false shepherds. Um, He speaks of the wolf attacking and the hired hand running. The implication is that this good shepherd won't run. He'll stand his ground and protect his flock. When the shepherd David spoke of wrestling the lion and the bear for the sake of one sheep, he's drawing a picture of Christ's efforts for us. I just don't get that. I, I would just let the, the lion have the sheep. Um, but David didn't. And our good shepherd went to the cross to save me and you. If I can't get my head around a shepherd laying down his life for a sheep, I really struggle, as it were, to get my head around God the Son doing that to guard me. Amazing. Amazing. And listen to what our shepherd says. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, and no one can snatch them out of my hand. That is humbling to be described as a sheep. But it's wonderful if you've got him as your shepherd. What a privilege we have. How do we respond to this? Let me have three applications. Surely we should follow the shepherd. And eat what he gives us to eat from his word. And chew over what he gives us in his word. Follow the shepherd. Surely we should trust the shepherd. He knows the ways that he takes us. He's gone down those paths. He's gone through death's dark valley. And he knows that there's sunshine on the other side and there's green pastures. And when he takes us through the hard places, he knows the path that he's taking us on and knows what lies there. The sheep doesn't. He hasn't been that way before. He's not the shepherd. All he can see is the dark valley. But our shepherd knows the way and we need to trust the shepherd And that trust means not questioning the shepherd. 
not questioning him whenever uh, and not being frustrated or um, impatient with him he does know what's best and we need to let that govern everything we're sheep he's the shepherd so follow the shepherd trust the shepherd and then the, the final love the shepherd what else could we do for a shepherd that would lay down his life for us that would give himself for us that would take on human form that would be made in appearance as a man and that he would be obedient to death even death on a cross that he would be as a sheep before its shearers silent that he would be led like a lamb to the slaughter we should be filled with love for him let's pray Father in heaven we thank you for the good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep we we just marvel at his sacrifice his his tender love for us we marvel at his humility that the son of god not just simply become man but that we we, we sort of get the the comparison of uh, of him being like a sheep we tend to think of us as men as being something wonderful and that in becoming a man well it wasn't such a big step down but we're like sheep and he became like us and we thank you we thank you that like a, a sheep he was uh, fragile and vulnerable we thank you that like a sheep he needed to be led and he, he allowed himself to be led and taught by his mother and father by the, the religious leaders and he grew in knowledge we thank you more so that like a sheep uh, before its shears is silent he did not open his mouth and that like a, uh, a lamb and a sheep being led to the slaughter we thank you that he was silent that he didn't defend himself but that he took our place for we were like sheep who had gone astray uh, we had turned to our own way but you laid on him the iniquity of us all and here was our saviour the passover lamb the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And we thank you that he took that role and that he laid down his life for us. And Father, we pray that we would trust our shepherd more and more, that we would follow him more and more, that we would ruminate and meditate and chew over his word and take things that we know and connect them with things that we're hearing, uh, extract fresh nutrition from old ideas and old uh, verses and passages and see how they connect to new ones, how one flavor can join another flavor and fill us with a whole new rich uh, taste of God's word. And Father, we pray that you would help us uh, to delight in our good shepherd. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.